MedBridge provides evidence-based courses, unlimited CEUs, home exercise programs featuring 6,000 plus exercises, and so much more. Use promo code THEADVANTAGE, that is T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, to get an annual MedBridge subscription for as low as $225. Hey everyone, welcome back to Reframe the Game. Um, this episode, we are going to be talking about self-awareness, and I've titled this episode Self-Awareness 101. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, Kent, you've talked about self-awareness before. We talked about it in some of the episodes in season one. We've talked about it in some of the episodes in this season, and that may be true, but as I was sitting and reflecting about how we've integrated self-awareness into the podcast and into the various episodes of the podcast, it really dawned on me that we're missing just a a, a straightforward conversation about self-awareness and really diving deep into specific activities that you as an athletic trainer can develop through self-awareness and how you can develop self-awareness as an athletic trainer and really how to develop self-awareness as a human being. And uh, this is so important. And you know, I call it kind of a superpower of individuals uh, in terms of the ability to understand ourselves in any contextual environment. Because when we understand ourselves, we're able to understand what our tendencies are, how we're likely to respond. And then when, once we understand that, we're able to move that through the process of altering our response to reach a preferred outcome or a more desired outcome than maybe we would we would typically reach if we didn't have the self-awareness or we weren't aware and conscious of our beliefs of our motives of our character of our feelings and 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 how we respond in certain situations and that typically leads us to react and when we react, we're, re- we're reacting from a defensive survival instinct. It kind of our survival instincts kind of kick in. But if we can create that space, you know, one to two seconds, maybe even a minute, we can create that space and choose a response as opposed to f- to falling victim to our normal reactions. We can really navigate the world around us in a much more peaceful, uh, much more deliberate and intentional way. So th- that's really the goal of self-awareness. Now, I know I've talked about the self-awareness to self-empowerment process, and we're not going to talk about too much about the process itself because I really want to focus in on the foundation of the self-awareness to self-empowerment process, and that that is self-awareness. And, you know, just to review, self-awareness is the conscious knowledge of one's own character, feeling, motives, and desires. That is the definition of, that's the definition of self-awareness and, you know, becoming an expert on you is what it's all about. Now, many people think and many people have this belief, well, I know myself, I, I know the way I react, I know I know the way I respond in certain situations. But my challenge to you is, do you really? Is it a conscious, intentional activity that you're doing that you're able to sit down and identify, yes, this is 
how I respond? Have you been able to identify patterns within that? Have you been able to identify triggers within your responses? Have you been, I, and those triggers could be humans, those triggers could be uh, words or phrases, those triggers could be situations, and have then, have you related those triggers back to you know, your development as a human being, as maybe as a young person, and where those triggers arise from. So you're able to deconstruct and really remove the power that those triggers have over you. And then maybe maybe create some more positive triggers that will help you and and really allow you to master yourself, right? We have to become aware of ourselves and we have to you know, really to move into this place of into the self-awareness of self-empowerment cycle, we have to stop living like a zombie that always is being controlled by other people's behaviors or other people's worlds, words, or the, or the world around us, right? Like if regardless of the, of the news of the day, right? Maybe it's a super positive story or more likely it's a super negative story or, or some story about despair or some story about some of the challenges that, you know, we're having in the world today. Uh, you know, being aware that, that, you know, I respond a certain way to certain news stories and then choosing to approach, your response in a different way and understanding, okay, why do I feel this way? Or why do I feel that way? Or why do I get so emotional? Or why do I feel so uncontrolled when I hear this news? You know, and, and, you know, we have to become intimately aware of our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our dreams, our desires, right? We have to, we have to really become aware of those things and, and, and really trace the source and kind of do some mapping of where this works or where, where these, where this, where this, these triggers, these emotions, these feelings, these motives, where are they coming from? Where do they origin originate? Where did they become amplified and why for certain things are why, why do I react to certain things and other things don't bother me at all, but everyone else around me seems to be bothered by it. Right. And, and so as an athletic trainer, this is important, I believe, because it, it really is one of the ways we can improve our own professional vitality because, you know, I'm included in this, uh, in this population, but I, I, re- I remember, uh, you know, when I was in my younger years as an athletic trainer, being emotionally exhausted at the end of every single day and just begging to go home, right. And, and have some space where I felt like I was in control, where I felt like I had some, um, some autonomy over, over my day, over my thoughts, over my behaviors, over my, you know, when I can go to the bathroom and when I can't go to the bathroom. Right. So, so I, you know, and it wasn't that like that every day, but I think I certainly remember those, those really difficult and trying days, particularly early on in my career when I wasn't, I I didn't have any self-awareness. I was simply 
doing a job and I showed up and I did the job and I dedicated myself and I invested fully in the job. But when things, when the inevitable challenges of being an athletic trainer, uh, the inevitable challenges of working in healthcare showed up, right? Whenever those happened, I lost control and I didn't know why I was losing control. And and you're, you're, I hope you're catching the theme here of control, <laughs> but that's one of the that's one of my, you know, desires in life is is control and safety, and uh, and and I wasn't aware of that, and so every time something would change or uh, there, you know, a patient was not being adherent to some of our plans or or a coach would change practice on me or, you know, you know, anything, right. A, a lightning was in the area. Right. And, and I felt like I was out of control. And then I would tell the coach, Hey, it's time to, uh, you know, we're within, we're within 10 miles. It's time to go in. We got to get out. And the coach would say, no. All right. Well now what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, s- some of those things were, were preparedness and, and understanding, how to take, how to, how to navigate difficult situations. But I I feel like that and how to have crucial conversations, but I feel like that also comes down to self-awareness, right? I was incapacitated by my ability, but by the fact that I wasn't in control anymore, right? Where I felt like I wasn't in control and I felt like I didn't have the authority to make decisions that I knew were within my scope of authority. Um, and so without that self-awareness that that some of my desire for control comes through come came from some of my childhood experiences and some just personal preferences right very type a planner type person um i i i was reacting and when i was reacting i wasn't reacting and responding in a way that was helpful for the patients that i was that i was working with and it wasn't helpful for my mental health it wasn't helpful for my physical health it wasn't helpful for my work health and i think as as athletic trainers many many athletic trainers many of us face those challenges on a daily basis and and i think self awareness is the is like as as i mentioned before self awareness is the foundation to understanding our thoughts, our character, our feelings, our motives, our desires, and then working with those and understanding with when, when we understand where we're coming with coming from, working with those and really finding ways we can upgrade our software, you know, tweak our beliefs, or at least become conscious that certain people, certain phrases, certain situations trigger us in a way that we need to be aware and say, and kind of have the foresight to know that this is a potential that that could happen today. And when this happens, here's my plan. And so when we look at self-awareness and we really dive, dive into it, you know, it, it is not just understanding your thoughts. It's not just understanding your feelings. It's all of those things combined. It's it's the it's the it's it's being aware of when someone walks into the room and your heart rate goes up because you're anticipating a conflict. Or it's it's 
being able to pinpoint why you want, you have this desire to apply for another job when you may on the outside be very successful or content at your current job. It's about how you can, you know, listen to another person and decode why you're having such a negative response to what they're asking. That's what self-awareness and practice looks like. And when you're, and, and, and when you're there and when you're in this place where you have the self-awareness, now you have the privilege to choose your response. You have the privilege to simply choose how you move forward. And it's all a choice. You're not beholden to your immediate reactions. How many times have we made a choice, not, not really made a choice, but a decision has been made by us that was a reaction and not a choice. It was a, a snap judgment that we didn't consciously approach and maybe it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, or it was a less than desirable outcome. And, and I would say that that's probably because we didn't have the opportunity to choose to consciously make a decision and move in an intentional direction of how we wanted to engage in the situation. Now, when I talk about the ability to choose, I'm not talking about a six week deliberation or a five minute deliberation, right? It's just, it, it, you know, we, we are, our, our minds and our brains are amazing things and we can make decisions still very, very quickly. And most of the world and, and most of, of, of the other people we're reacting with may not be able to perceive that we're taking a split second longer to make a decision because we've kind of primed ourselves to be in this place to choose through our self-awareness practices. And, you know, but we, but for us, right, the pause the the slowdown feels like an eternity and then in that slowdown in those couple seconds in those couple moments we start to fill ourselves with judgment oh they don't know what the, the the patients the coaches the whoever this person is going to take advantage of me they know that i'm making a decision right now this feels so slow but in reality it's not it, it's 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 a negligible amount of time where you're giving yourself that space between an immediate reaction that may happen within one second and a, a longer response, which will likely happen within five seconds. So, you know, it, it's, it's negligible in the grand scheme of things. And it, but it has ample or has tremendous opportunity to lead to more desirable outcomes in our relationships. And more importantly, how we feel about ourselves at the end of the day and our emotional regulation throughout the day. And so I want to spend most of this episode talking about ways that you can develop self-awareness. So now that we have a foundation of what self-awareness is, now that we've kind of reviewed why that's important for athletic trainers, now let's get into different ways that we can develop our own self-awareness. So the most straightforward and most, most accessible way is to simply start journaling. Simply start journaling. That requires 
you know, I recommend that requires an investment of a two to five dollar journal. You don't have to go buy a, a you know, a twenty thirty dollar journal or a guided journal unless that's what you'd like to do, right? But you can simply start with blank sheets of paper. But I, I like to have the journal in a a bound form because if you have loose leaf, loose leaf pieces of paper and they're not organized in any way, it's really easy to lose those. It also is easy to say, oh, it's just a scrap sheet of paper and not really be intentional about how you're organizing your thoughts because part of self-awareness is, is a little bit of uh, understanding how everything connects not a little bit. It's a big part about how everything's connects to one another. And that requires maybe reviewing multiple days of journaling or multiple weeks of journaling or picking highlights of your journal, you know, auditing your journal every six months or something like that. But you can check in on yourself with a journal. You know, I have several journals. Some of them I have that are a little bigger, right? That are for my you know, when I'm at home and I have my quiet time. And then I also have pocket journals that I can just make little notes in. And many of you may have pocket journals so you can make notes on things like patient interactions, particularly when you're out on the field or when you're in clinic and you may not have your full access to your EMR or full medical documentation or you're traveling or something like that. But but I encourage you to have another, you know, small little, you know, three inch by four inch, um, wallet size journal just to carry in your back pocket, have a pen, have a pencil, have a writing utensil with you and just carry that around and check in on yourself every couple hours. Like seriously, like take one minute every two hours to sit quietly, not on your phone, not in digital distraction, just to think, feel, and reflect. And then after that one minute, write, write what you felt, what, write down what your thoughts were, and maybe try to make one connection about why you thought that or why you feel this way in the moment. And everyone has one to two minutes every two hours. If you don't, I would, I would, I would challenge that I would challenge you, I would challenge that belief if you say I don't have one hour or one minute every two to three hours, I would challenge you and encourage you to look at how much time you're spending on your phone, how much idle time you have, how much time when you're simply when you're simply standing or you're waiting in line for something or you're waiting for someone else to you're waiting for someone else to come right? We have a lot of these small moments throughout our day, but we often say that we don't. And one of the main culprits of that is our digital distraction, because what we, we, we are just in the habit and the technology companies and the app developers have gotten really good at creating a distraction for us when we enter this moment of boredom. So a lot of our dead time or a lot of our downtime is filled up with digital distraction. And I'm not saying get rid of digital distraction altogether. I'm saying I, I, I'm asking you to make the choice to spend one of those minutes of digital distraction, not digitally distracted, but invested in reflection of yourself. And then, you know, at the end of the day, 
or the next morning, right? Take a look and see and, and just quickly review what you wrote down the previous day. That's it. And let that run in the background. Let that run, you know, in your unconscious mind. Let that, let that just marinate, if you will, right? And then, you know, as you do this more, you, you were, we're perceptive creatures, you'll start to make connections. So the process of journaling is the process of developing self-awareness. Because if you look at the first part of the self-awareness, the self-empowerment process, it's moving the unconscious, the unconscious mind to the conscious mind. And part of that is noting what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and essentially <laughs> we're raising awareness. That's what self-awareness is. We're raising awareness of ourselves in the moment, right? This doesn't have to be a big lift. This doesn't have to be some giant investment. I, again, when we talk about the how to do this, my recommendation is to do it with paper and pencil. Why? Because my phone is the source of digital distraction. And so, you know, for me, and, and maybe, maybe some of you who are listening are not ever digitally distracted by your phone. Your phone is simply a tool and you are never, you know, sucked in to a notification or an email or a, a, a beep or a ding or a text message or anything on your phone when you're on. You get on, you do what you do, and you get off, you know? I find it really difficult, and I don't know if that's a flaw of mine or if the app developers have just and the algorithms have just figured me out, <laughs> and so they they know the ways to push my buttons, you know, to keep me distracted in my phone. So the I I have that awareness. I know that if I'm on my phone, my phone is no longer my my phone isn't a productivity tool. Like my phone, you know, I think initially that was the hope of the cellular phone or the mobile phone and, and smartphones is that it would become a productivity tool. It's not a productivity tool. Like when I want to be productive, I put my phone on focus mode and I move it as far away as I can from me, right? It's become a distraction tool. And maybe that's, maybe that's the, that's the, that's the purpose. And that's what some of the technology companies want. I, I don't know, right? But for me, I have that awareness that my phone is not a productivity tool for you. For me, my phone is a distraction device and every once in a while a communication device, but mostly a distraction device. So, you know, my I, I always recommend if people ask me about like how do I, you know, can I just type it in my phone notes? You could, but I don't. And the reason is the the distraction. And also, you know, when you when you have the notes in your phone, you also can confuse those notes with all the other notes or other little snippets of information that you're putting on in in your phone. And so it's really hard to organize it, very similar to the loose leaf sheet of paper idea that I mentioned before. So investing in a in a less than five dollar journal. Uh, particularly a mini journal or a mini notepad is a great way to do that. And once, once you started to do that, you can also incorporate other forms of journaling, right? And that can be starting every day writing by writing down three things you're looking forward to, right? I'm looking forward to a, B and C. 
And, you know, some people are like, well, that's not really reflecting on what I'm thinking. That's not really reflecting on why I behave the way I behave. But when you look ahead at what you want to do for the day, it reveals to you, it reveals knowledge about your motives and desires. So if you have a really long work day and the things that you're looking forward to are your workout, coming home, and watching the office on TV, or you know, after after a long day's work, right? So that, and you notice that those are the things, those are the types of things that you're excited about and you're looking forward to consistently over time. Maybe that's an indication that your the work that you're doing now isn't aligned with what your motives and desires are in life. Right. So I think when you, when you, when you write down and you reflect on what you anticipate and what you're looking forward to, that reveals some motives and desires about what you maybe, what, what you really want. Right. Or what you're really desiring in this moment. And that, and then that allows you to, to peel back some of the layers and combine that information, what you're looking forward to with some of the things that, um, some of the things that you write throughout the day where you are talking about, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm thinking, and here's why I think about that. So it, it, maybe you can start to peel back the layers and make those connections. Another journaling activity that I recommend is at the end of the day, write down three wins and three lessons learned and how you felt that day, right? And and with this, you're looking backwards and you're look at, and you're gaining insight on where your attention was for the day, right? If you can identify three wins and three lessons learned and how you felt overall for the day, you're you're looking at and you're reviewing where your attention was at for the day. Now, when I do this, it's really easy for me to find the three lessons learned or the three failures or the three fallings that I've had for the day. Um, and it's really it's more difficult for me to write down the three wins that I've had for the day because sometimes I focus on the failures or the fallings or the lessons learned, and I forget to recognize that, you know, making it through the day and not killing anyone, that's a, that's a win, right? That's something to be proud of. I did my job. Uh, and you know, no one died on my watch today. Right. Um, that's silly. And, and, you know, and, and, and there, there may be times and there, and there, there likely will be times for some of the listeners or some athletic trainers that someone will pass away on, on your watch. And that doesn't mean you're a bad athletic trainer. That doesn't mean that you've somehow failed that, you know, sometimes that's life, but understanding that and if, if, and when that does happen for you, right. You know, breaking that down and, and, and not turning away from those feelings, whatever they may be, and really turning into them and deconstructing them and, and, and looking at why you've, why you feel that way right? It can lead to future insight. And, and when, when people ask me and and with some of my coaching clients, when I talk about, you know, how to, 
you know, when you're reflecting back on your day, I, I always like to say, remember that 15 minutes of quote unquote bad things does not mean you had a bad day, right? A, a 15 minutes of, of, of bad things happening does not constitute a bad day, right? The, the vast majority of our day could have been great or neutral. Um, but we, um, has, as humans are wired to kind of look at the negative and, and, you know, you can get into some of the literature on this, but, or some of the readings on this, but, uh, you know, there's, there's some work that says that humans are predisposed to engage with and think about the negative because it's a, it's a, as a survival mechanism, uh, not so much as, as opposed to focusing on the positives. And so we're biased towards negativity, uh, which is why, you know, you can get into some of the, the social psychology pieces of this, which is why we are more likely to share negative news or outrage, even if we're condemning the outrage or the negativity, um, because our, our, our brains are more, you know, are predisposed to that, right? They're primed to ingest and, in uh, and kind of take in the negative information and, and really be self-critical on ourselves and look for the negativity in our lives as, 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 again, as a mode of survival that probably served a purpose when we weren't as advanced as a society or as a culture or as individuals as we are now. Uh, but you know, maybe that, that adaptation ha- has kind of run its course and it doesn't necessarily serve, uh, serve us well anymore. So I, I always like to remind people that 15 minutes of, of bad things does not constitute a bad day. It just constitutes a bad moment. Right. Um, there's a, there's another famous, I think there's a quote or a story about this where if someone says you have, you know, $86,000 in a day and someone takes, you know, 600 of them, does that, you know, does that mean, is, is that a bad thing? Right. And it, and it, it, the, the idea is that it's talking about, uh, the number of seconds in a day and if, and if, if the number of minutes in a day or something along those lines, and if you lose 15 of them or 20 of them, it's not that big a deal, right? Because you have so many other ones. Like if you lost $5 and you had a million dollars, are you going to stress out of the, uh, about those $5 and every day you get to refresh that, uh, that pot of money. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, when we think about, when we think about that, we, we have to j- just, just remember that bad moments are not bad days and, and maybe bad, bad moments, multiple days in a row does not mean you have a bad life. It just means you've had a series of unfortunate events. And when we, so, so moving on from journaling, I think journaling is one of the, just the most straightforward ways to do this, right? But there are certainly other strategies that you can use. Um, one of my favorite strategies, particularly for people who really want to invest in this and they don't want to kind of approach it from a casual sense, is to do a strengths and weaknesses assessment for themselves, right? So it's really three to four parts. The first part is you sit down, reflect, think, 
on a sheet of paper, write down your top 10 strengths and write down your top 10 weaknesses and really dive into it. You can only have 10 strengths and you have to have 10 weaknesses, right? Um, You can't have more than 10. You can't have less than 10. You got to get 10. So you do that, you, you, and if you, if you're finding yourself, oh, I have all these more, all more of these, all these, I have more of these weaknesses and you find yourself, you know, being t- trending towards the negative, you have to determine out what the most important weaknesses are. Cause you only get 10. And then if you find yourself having not a lot of strengths, you got to get to 10 strengths. Or if, you've, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, you have a lot of strengths or you perceive you have a lot of strengths, you have to narrow that down and whittle that down to 10. And that's all you get. And the next phase of the activity is to reach out to a colleague, a professional colleague, not a friend, not a romantic partner, not anyone who's who plays a significant role in your personal life, but rather someone who plays a significant role in your professional right, life. Reach out to them and ask them if they could write down your top 10 strengths and your top 10 weaknesses and explain the same rules to them. They only get 10 strengths. They only get 10 weaknesses. If you have more of either one of those or less of either one of those, you have to work to 10. Okay. And so once you have those, once you've done the strengths and weaknesses for yourself and a colleague have done the strengths and weaknesses, obviously, you know, it's always helpful to have a conversation with them right? And, and thank them for their time and maybe ask them why they selected certain strengths over other strengths or why these, these were perceived weaknesses. What instances were you engaging in these, in, in these weaknesses or what instances were you get, gauge, uh, engaging in these strengths? And then from that, you have the work of comparing and contrasting the lists. What do the lists look like? What are the, you know, are, are they, are they accurate? Are they different? You know, uh, are they, are they similar? Are they dissimilar? And do you agree with what your colleague said? Um, and, and so kind of, kind of just go through that process of breaking it down. And then again, in your journal, write it down, gather the information, start to make some connections, right? And what, what this may do is show that you are showing up pretty much as this, as, as a similar type of person that you perceive yourself as at work and in your, and in your own perception of who you are, right? Whether you are a worker or a, not a worker or an athletic trainer or not an athletic trainer, whatever it is, however you perceive yourself, it shows you what, what, how you're showing up, right? And the, the, the goal here is not to be similar across these two. The goal here is simply to be able to identify, right? Very, you know, for for some very good reasons, right? You don't, you may not want to show up as the same person who you are in your in your who you perceive you are versus who you are in your work life, right? There, there's another story that it's like, you know, there's been so much talk about authenticity and showing up as your authentic self, right? And and I am, I. At one point in my life, I was like, nope, totally don't do that. And at another point in my life, I was like, yes, we definitely need to show up as our authentic self 24-7 because that's the best way to live. 
But more recently, I've it's not it's not on either of the extremes, right? It's somewhere in between because people, the patients that we're working with, the people who who we've been entrusted to lead through their healthcare journey, the people we've been entrusted to collaborate with in terms of our colleagues and our and our supervisors, right? The organizations who have entrusted us to provide care, they don't want our authentic self. They want the best version of ourself that day, right? Like if you're like, like think about it like this. If, if you paid, if you're paying money to go see your favorite artist, right? Perform on a stage at a concert. And this is, they only come once every couple of years to your hometown or to a town close enough, right? They have a new album. You wouldn't want, and then that artist is having a really bad day right? You would be upset if they showed up (laughs) and they said, you know what, you know what team here, you know what fans, I really appreciate y'all, but I'm having a bad day. So I'm just going to sing one or two songs and then I'm going to head off the stage and you can just listen to my album. And while I just play the album on the record and you can on the recording over the speakers and you can have a good time. All right. So I really appreciate y'all have a good one, right? You would be upset about that. Um, and that's, you know, you would expect you, you have an ex, there's an expectation that the performer is going to show up as their best self for that performance. And what we do in healthcare, a lot of times is performance. And so the people we work with expect us to show up as our best selves. And I think that's just the expectation of a professional, Right. Obviously, there are times and there are situations in which we have to choose ourselves and maybe we take a mental health day. Maybe we take a sick day. Maybe we don't come into work that day, right? You, you see that in there are times when performers cancel their shows, right? They have to come back and do a rain check um, and, and, and do their show on a, on a different day because they, they're just, they just can't show up as their best self today. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about identifying, does this match with what you is moving back to the activity? Does this match with what you are trying to accomplish? Right? So that's phase one and two. So phase one is you start with yourself. Phase two is you start with a professional colleague, a work colleague. And then the, the reflection for phase two is to reflect and compare and contrast. The next level increases the intimacy a little bit. So now you want to find someone who in your personal life plays an important role. So that may be a good friend, that may be a partner, that may be um, a parent, that may be a spouse, that may be a child, right? A, a, a child who is you know probably not a one or two-year-old or, or even a four or five-year-old, but probably someone who... Uh, has a little bit more experience and, and can uh, experience for a ch- child, but like who has lived a little bit longer um, and, and may be able to articulate that. So find find someone in your life to do that. And then you ask them, so they ask them, what are my 10 strengths and 10 weaknesses? 10 greatest strengths, 10 greatest weaknesses. Same rules apply. You got to get 10. 10 for each, that's what it is. Have a conversation with them. Tell them the purpose of the activity is to develop some self-awareness. I want, I, I've done this with uh, myself, my work colleague, and now I'm doing it with you. 
And then you work on, you work on, again, comparing and contrasting these, these lists and looking for similarities and dissimilarities. And maybe your professional colleague and your personal friend are completely different because they see different qualities within you. And maybe it's different than yourself because you view yourself in a different way than the rest of the world views you, views you, right? It's gaining this awareness and then gaining this connection to, wow, this feels in alignment with what I'm trying to do, or this feels in disalignment of what I'm trying to do, right? The whole purpose is to raise your awareness and to raise your thinking and your consciousness about why you do what you do. And the last bonus step. Now, now when I do this with 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 people, I say that this is totally a bonus activity. Do not feel obligated. You can get the essence of the activity. You can get the essence of knowing yourself, your motives, your feelings, your characters, what other people perceive as your characters, your feelings, your motives, your strengths, your weaknesses, right? You're able to do those things without this piece. But this piece really has the opportunity to provide a different perspective. So the last piece, the last phase of this activity is to reach out to someone who you've had a falling out with now, or you've lost contact with. This may be uh, a previous partner. This may be a family member. This may be a really good friend from elementary school that you just went your separate ways or from high school and you've just went your separate ways, but you're able to get in contact with them. This may be any number of, this may be a former employee, employer who fired you or you were fired from them or you left on bad terms, right? Whoever it is, right? A person that you've had somewhat of a falling out with, or you've distanced yourself and gone your separate ways. Again, disclaimer, the purpose of this activity is not to generate trauma. The purpose of that, this activity is not to, you know, create difficulty and pain. So if you think, and it's not to increase danger to yourself or the other person. So if, if there is, I would not choose someone that would do that for me, who would, who would perhaps create trauma for me, uh, you know, resurface old pain for myself or for the other person, right? So, so there are plenty of people that I, when I when I've done this activity in the past, that I didn't choose because they would lead to generating and uh, generating resurfaced pain and trauma, and that's not the purpose of the activity, right? The purpose of the activity is to find someone who may not have a a totally positive view of you, right? Uh, but knows you still. And that's that's the purpose. And you ask them, you know, part of it is reaching out and having the courage to grow. And it could even be, hey, you know, Susan, I haven't talked to you for a really long time. And uh, I'm doing this activity to help myself grow. And I, and I wanted to reach out and I wanted to ask you what you thought about this. Um, and, and you ask them the question and, and maybe they say, no, they don't want to do it. That's fine too, right? Um, you, you, the other people are not obligated to do things for you, but it's, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to reach out if you'd like to. Um, and so you have them do the activity, same thing, 
10 strengths, 10 weaknesses, no more, no less. And it may be from the last time they interacted with you or what their perceptions of you are. And they may not be accurate as well, but they could be extremely accurate. You never know. And I I think so then when you have all four of those data points, those three or four, depending on if you do the last one, when you have all three of those data sets, have your journal out, think about and compare and contrast and synthesize and amalgamate and look at the connections and then write down your thoughts. Write down your thoughts and feelings about it. How does it feel that a person that you had a falling out with you perceives your weaknesses are this, 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 and this. And other people say these, and the people that are more proximate to me are saying that those are my strengths. Maybe that's a sign that you've grown. Maybe that's a sign that you've learned from whatever challenges happened in that relationship to cause that relationship to end to, and that now you've grown in that way. That's, that seems, that seems reasonable. That seems like that could be something that could happen, but what the interpretation is, is up to you, but hopefully through the practice, you've been able to, you've been able to look at these different categories of strengths and weaknesses of people, right? Because they have different levels of intimacy or connection with you. And by intimacy, I don't mean physical intimacy. I mean like closeness to you. And uh, they see different parts of you. And the whole purpose of self-awareness is to gain conscious knowledge of your own character, feelings, motives, and desires. And as much as we like to believe that we have no blind spots, sometimes, or not sometimes, almost always, we have blind spots for ourselves in certain aspects of our lives. And by asking other people to join you and to contribute to your success, you're able to see those blind spots a little more clearly. Of course, you're probably still going to be biased because it was a blind spot before. But if you can move from something that's totally opaque to you and a blind spot to you to something that can be a little more translucent, now you're raising your self-awareness, right? And maybe that that is a signal when you can kind of raise that self-awareness. Maybe that's a signal that says, I may need to explore this more. And then you reach out and perhaps you look for professional help or you look for other opportunities to gain insight on that aspect of who you are, where you previously may have had a blind spot or an opaque spot in your life. And now it's a, it's still pretty gray and grimy and, and translucent. Um, but you can try to gain some more transparency in that. And that's why I, I, I think that it's more than just journaling that you have to enroll the help of others to help you develop your own self-awareness and self-awareness, you know, the definition and self, right. Makes it seem like it's an individual activity. And certainly the interpretations and the end goal are, are to benefit the individual, but the process requires your tribe. It requires the people you've had relationships with in any level of relationship, professional relationships, personal relationships, ended relationships, um, to help you get a 360 view, 60 degree view of your surroundings. Right. And the last activity that I want to talk about or ways you can develop your self-awareness is a trigger activity. And that simply is writing down your triggers, 
Right now, if I asked you what triggers you, most people could list off one or two things that really is like a pet peeve of theirs. It's something that they respond negatively to. It's something that they that they kind of lose their ability to engage professionally with or personally with, right? And it, it sometimes it's things like leaving dirty dishes in the or, or leaving dirty dishes in the sink or changing practice times or not cleaning a table after you're done or not showing up for a rehab, uh, you know, a rehabilitation session or a therapy session. Maybe it's, you know, any infinite number of things can be triggers to people, right? But but how you how you break this down is you start by thinking about your triggers. And this is why journaling throughout the day and having a little journal with you is really helpful because if you're unaware of your triggers, or there are probably some triggers that you're unaware of, that you can when you are, when you feel this emotional response and you're triggered and you behave in a way that is not in alignment with who you want to be, just pull out your, pull out your little journal, write it down, say trigger is being talked about behind my back. Right. Um, that's a trigger to me. And I, and I responded in this way, right. I lashed out and, you know, I, I lashed out and I yelled, I raised my voice at another person. And so, so that I think that's one of the, again, another benefit of having a mini journal with you all the time, but the, in this activity, you're going to list those triggers out what the trigger is and which, what some typical responses have been right. Like lashing out and yelling at another person, which is essentially dis, and let's say that person is a coworker that's disrespecting the coworker. Right. But for you, the trigger may have been talking behind someone's back that feels disrespectful to you. So your reaction your resp- your immediate reaction was to disrespect them by yelling at them to try to d- demonstrate your authority or your um power over them even if you don't have any more power over them you're trying to f- you've threatened them and and disrespect their safety by raising your voice right um in, in a in a hate, in a in a hurtful way not just a, a passionate way but in a in a hurtful way right? So, so list out those triggers and what those responses are after you've done that. Now make a third column on the sheet of paper in your journal and write down a more ideal or desirable outcome. So someone talks about, talks about you behind your back, your previous reaction was to raise your voice and yell at them. And then you can dive a little deeper, peel back the layers a little bit in order to disrespect them or make their safety feel threatened because your safety was threatened when someone talked about you behind your back or you felt like your safety was threatened because someone talked about you behind your back. And then in that last column, what's a more ideal way, what's a more, what's a way to respond, not react, that can achieve more desirable outcomes? For me, thinking about this one, I would say I would wait for an appropriate moment to pull that coworker or colleague or patient aside privately and explain to them in a serious but calm demeanor 
that talking behind my back makes me feel disrespected. And I want to be in a respectful relationship with you, whatever whatever that level of relationship is. So please do not talk about me behind my back. And if some other people are gossiping about me, please, in, instead of engaging in the in the activity, encourage them to come directly talk to me. Right? Now, that's only half of the battle, right? Because then you actually have to be able to implement it next time it happens. And there are triggers for a reason because it's difficult to implement, right? Because we want to react so... We want to react so quickly, but if you have, if you have at least written down and thought about, you have consciously brought it to your mind that this is the way I would like to respond. You're way more likely to respond in the way that you want to respond and you may suck at it. You may fail at it, but at least you're making an attempt as opposed to simply moving in autopilot and moving into survival mode. When you feel when you're when you have a perception that your safety is threatened or you feel disrespected or whatever it may be, uh, then if you didn't do this activity, and with and if you try these three things, right, journaling, the strengths and weaknesses activity, and the trigger activity, and you try these things over time, right, over a six month period, you'll slowly start to see your self awareness raise. And as your self-awareness raises, now you can get into the self-empowerment, the self-awareness, the self-empowerment process. Now you can identify things that you'd like to change and start practicing changing them, start practicing augmenting your reality, start changing and, and moving towards desired outcomes that you want to see in your life, right? And then it's a continual process because, and then as you, as you get better at self-awareness, you're going to realize other biases, other challenges, other blind spots, other areas in your life where you may not be moving in the direction or, or the desired outcomes that you, or the preferred outcomes that you would like to see. And so you, you always have this opportunity, but now you have some of the basic tools, and when you have the basic tools, now you can modify them. It's just like a rehabilitation plan, right? If you have, if you you've learned the basics of rehabilitation, uh, you so, and you can modify as necessary, right? You've learned the basics of three foundational tools to develop self awareness: journaling, uh, in in enrolling the help of others on any specific task. It could be strengths and weaknesses. It could be habits. It could be uh, behaviors. Right. The reason I like strengths and weaknesses is because oftentimes people include pers- like characteristics as well as behaviors. So it it, it really helps you get um, a really dense and, and saturated uh, source of data uh, in in with relatively straightforward questions. And the the trigger activity, which is actually is is an activity that kind of bridges from self awareness to self empowerment. It's in that kind of self evaluation phase because you're you're creating a new plan or a new course of action that you'd like to take to create desired outcomes. So it's 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 like like I said, it's like rehabilitation plans. Like you've learned the basics of rehabilitations. Now we can modify as we as we gain experience. As we learn more, as we talk to other people who may be engaged in a self-awareness practice, 
and uh, then we can modify and grow and and move into new levels of of difficulty and challenge. So we're continuing to grow ourselves. And you know, if athletic trainers can do this, right? And if if I mean, this is this is pra- this is a practice that is done outside of athletic training. This is a practice that's common in some of the personal development circles. But if we can do this as athletic trainers, we can improve some of the relationships that we have with ourself, that we have with our colleagues, that we have with our patients, and we can start making choices that are more in alignment with our character, our feelings, our motives, our desires. And if we're able to do that, then I think there's a pretty straight line to improving our own professional vitality and as a result, perhaps improving the sustainability of the profession of athletic training. And if we're unable to do that, you know, athletic training will likely still be around, but it will be difficult to, it'll be more difficult to, to sustain the profession for the long range when, if, if we have people living in conflict with their character, feelings, motives, and desires. And so I hope you're able to take these three, these three activities, implement them in your life. Let me know how you're doing. Reach out to me on social media. If you do, if you are interested in getting a, a starter journal, uh, I've collaborated with Alicia Pennington and the advantage, and there's more, there's the more than the trainer journal. It's a great starter journal. Uh, we created this, Shea Brocker, Alicia Pennington, and myself created this specifically with athletic trainers in mind um, and specifically with athletic trainers in mind who wanted to get started or started again in a self-awareness practice. Uh, so I, I encourage you to head over to the to the Advantage website and make sure that you, you, you download that. It's a digital download. You can print it off. You can get it bound. You can get it sent to you. Uh, it's, it's really inexpensive and I think it's a great tool to invest in if, if, you know, you, you want something a little more guided. Now you certainly don't, you certainly don't need that to get started. As I mentioned, you can, you can purchase a a $2, $3 pocket journal and get started today. Um, but if, if, if you are looking for something a little more guided, uh, that is available, um, as you, as you work on this, as you do this, let me know, reach out to me on social media. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure, or this episode, make sure that you share this with a friend or a colleague or someone else who you think could benefit from self-awareness uh, and developing their self-awareness to become a better athletic trainer and a better professional. Uh, make sure that you are letting us know how we can improve, how you're enjoying the episodes this season. And until next time, I hope you all have a great day. CBD has become increasingly popular for the treatment of pain, anxiety, focus, sleep, and more. We've partnered with Sweat CBD, who delivers 100% natural, full-spectrum CBD oil, gummies, and lotions. Head to sweatcbd.com and use code ADVANTAGE, A-T-V-A-N-T, A-G-E for 10% off at checkout.